Thanks for listening to The Awakening Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you today. Today I want to uh, speak to you from the subject, A Tale of Two Trees. I I think that we have a little bit more uh, in this area of the Garden of Eden that we began speaking about last week that I kind of want to delve into. And so today I want to look at uh, Adam and Eve and specifically their choice with the trees. Genesis chapter 3 is where we're headed, right at the beginning of the Bible. We're going to read seven verses together. The Bible says this, Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So he said to the woman, Did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And Eve replied, The woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said... You shall not eat of the fruit of the one tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit, and she ate. And she also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were opened, and they knew that they were naked. A tale of two trees. Today, I want to speak to you on the subject of choices, and how your choices reverberate throughout your life. In fact, your life is lived in the reverberation of your choices. And my goal today is to encourage this church, this community, to commit to consistently make wise and godly choices. I want to move you in that direction so that This community can be cultivated by God, grow into leadership, all that it's called to be, and live lives worthy of God's mercy. Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for your actions on the cross. I thank you so much for gathering us, your people, to this church, God, not just to leave us how you found us, but to change us and to rearrange us. And so today, God, we give you full permission Convict us and challenge us, encourage us, but Lord, change us. We want to be changed by you. And so we give you this moment. No other things going on. Come and speak to your people. In Jesus' name, come on, all God's people said, amen. Amen. In the Garden of Eden, we find that there are two specific trees. One of them we know as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other we know as the tree of life. Now, God encouraged that Adam and Eve would eat of any of the trees of the garden, specifically even the tree of life. The tree of life was representing the presence of God, the creative force of God. When they ate of it, they they engaged in communion with God. The only restriction he placed was on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is where he said, I do not want you to go. See, what God was doing... In, in, this, in this circumstance in the garden was giving humanity the gift to choose. God was giving us the power to make our own choices. 
When God says you can eat anything, but just don't eat this, what he's doing is saying, now you can choose. In other words, God never wanted to make drones. He never wanted to make slaves. He never wanted to make clones. He wanted relationship with people that could choose him and he could choose them. And so, so God gifted us, humanity, personal agency, that we are an individual, that we have our own mind, we have our own thoughts, and we have our own ability to decide yes or no, right from wrong, to eat or not to eat, to be or not to be. We have the ability to choose. And this is a gift from God. And I would propose to you today that, that your choices have far-reaching consequences. In fact, what you do creates the foundation for what you can do. It is what you do that creates the foundation for what you can do. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the famous line from the movie Gladiator, what we do in life echoes in eternity. Maximus Decimus Meridius said this, commander of the armies of the north, general of the Felix legions, and loyal servant to the true emperor, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. <laughs> but what's ironic is... Uh, the loyal to the true emperor who is Marcus Aurelius. Marcus Aurelius is actually the one that wrote this quote in his book, Meditations, that what we do in life echoes into eternity, and that's true. But I would contend that what we do in life echoes throughout the rest of your life. Before it even gets to eternity, let's go to the present. Before we go in, in, into the, 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 the forever, let's go into the here and now, that what you do in life echoes, reverberates, continues through the rest of your life. So your choices either expand or eliminate your potential future. They either open up options or close options. Open doors or close doors. Your choices either expound or exterminate your future. Let me put it this way. Decisions determine destiny. Decisions determine destiny. Your choices will carry you. They'll carry you either into contentment or destruction. They'll carry you either into life or death. They'll carry you into a life of fruitfulness or a life that produces nothing. Your choices have far-reaching consequences throughout your life. In fact, I would contend that, that your choices create the culture of your living. You know, not only do nations have cultures, organizations have cultures, lives have cultures. Your life, your home has a culture. It has a vibe. It has a sense. Have you ever walked into someone else's house and you just say, this is not like my house? When you're younger, you sleep over, you wake up and you're like, where am I? What's happening here? Homes have cultures. <laughs> lives have cultures. Remember one time I was over at someone's house and they woke us up and they're like, it's time for dinner. It's midnight. And it was the greatest dinner I've ever had. It was like Thanksgiving, but it was a Thursday night for them. Your lives have a culture. Hear me, it's either going to be toxic or healthy. Your choices create the culture of your life and it will make it either toxic or healthy. Your choices will make your mind either toxic or healthy. It will make your home either toxic or healthy. It will make your relationships either toxic or healthy. 
And make no mistake, the foremost impactful thing in making um, your life either toxic or healthy is your own choosing. It has the most impact in how you're going to live, in the environment you are going to live. And here's the truth. Choices compound. They compound. Much like money, it is small but consistent choices that eventually culminate to create the framework of your life. We want to say, like, no, it was that one moment. It was that one experience. It was that one miracle. It was that one time, and everything changed after that. But the reality is your life isn't found many times in massive moments, but in the consistent choices that you make. It's your choices that compound. It's your choices that culminate into what you call life, to what we call life. And I, I, I think of it this way. Choices are like links in a chain. And every choice that you make pulls from the past and connects it into the future. L choices are links in the chain of life. And, 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 and hear me, when you make too many foolish choices in a row, when you make too many poor choices in a row, what those become are weak links in the chain. The problem is this chain has a purpose. It's there to help you pick up the weight of life, help you carry the weight of life, and, what, and life will have a weight. For every single person, it will be different what causes the weight, but we will all have weight in life. Trials, tribulations, difficulties, we will all have the weight of grief or, or, or the weight of, of, of things not going our way. No matter what happens, you will have a weight in life. The, 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 the thing I would propose to you today, it's that your choices help you either bear this weight or this weight ends up crushing you. It's, it's, it's every link in the chain that will help you either pick this weight up and carry it or if there are too many weak links, eventually the the chain is not strong, and the chain snaps. Eventually, if you make too many poor choices, you snap. And then there's a great crash. Everything falls apart, implodes. There's catastrophe, and we've seen it in people's lives. We've seen it in the lives of, of our family. We've seen it in our own lives. We've seen it with public figures where there's a, a collapse, and everyone says, you see what happened with them? Did you see what happened with them? And it's, it's, it's like the subject. Why? Because we're fascinated with the snap. Not, though, many times fascinated with the individual choices that led to the calamity. It's the little things. It's the little things. It's, and, and, and if we were able to... If we were able to deconstruct the crash, almost like someone would come in at the, the aftermath of a crash, crash and would begin to sift through to find the cause, we might find that the cause many times were choices that were made a long time ago. They, they talked about even in the Challenger collision, it wasn't one circumstance, but it was a bunch of little mistakes and errors that were overlooked that, that began to create catastrophic meltdown and failure, which led to an explosion. Well, what, I'm, what I'm saying today is that many times it's too many of our poor choices that ends up leading us to experiencing fallout. And, and few, many, many times, or, or let me say it this way, few times do we examine the links that led us there. Do we sift through the, the, the rubbish? Do we ask, hey, what happened? And even if we were to ask, Many times the people that would tell you won't be honest about what actually happened. But if we were to ask, and people were to be honest 
honest about the collisions that happened in their life, they would tell you things like, it all began when I started drinking again. It all began when I left church. It all began when I started listening to the wrong voices. I got the wrong mentor. I read the wrong book. I got involved with the wrong people. And and, and it's almost like if someone was going on a hike and got lost in the woods, had to be rescued, barely came out of it with our life, we would want to ask them, hey, where did you get off the path? Because we all are going to have to walk this path on our own one day. And we want to know where was it that you went off the path and went down to destruction so I don't walk that way with me and everyone that's walking with me. Give me some signs that I might stay on the straight and narrow. The Bible says broad is the way that leads to destruction. Everybody instinctually, naturally goes that way. But the path to life is narrow and few find it, which means what? You're going to have to be intentional. You're going to have to examine your life. You're going to have to get some wisdom around you. Think about it. What we call the fall, the fall of humanity, the crash of humanity was really one choice that echoes through all of the choices everyone has ever made, echoes into our choices here and now today. The, ch- the fall is the choice that influenced all choices. Adam and Eve are in the garden, and they're under the temptation from the snake, from the serpent. But the Bible says she took of its fruit and ate, and she gave some to her husband, and he took, and he ate. Listen, Adam and Eve had a critical choice in this moment. They had a critical choice. Will they eat or will they not eat? But understand, it's more than that. The choice that they made was was able to be boiled down into these two categories. Would they do God's will or would they go their way? All of your choices can be boiled down into these two categories. Is this God's will or is this my way? There are two trees in the garden. One is is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God says that way is the way of the world. It leads to death. But there is another tree. It's the tree of life. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. And that tree leads to life and life everlasting. Every choice you make will be choosing one of these trees. We'll be choosing to eat of the fruit of these trees. Adam and Eve felt the temptation of the tree of knowledge, the world which leads to death. And make no mistake, it wasn't a small temptation. There was real elements that surrounded this thing. It wasn't just the words of the serpent. This is going to matter a little bit later on. It wasn't just the words of the serpent. The Bible says that after he started deceiving her, lying to her, she started looking at the tree. The Bible says that she realized that the tree was good for food. And it was a delight to the eyes. And i got to be honest, it, it's desirable to make one wise. Do you know what, you know what this is? These are... The, the foundational things, the, the instinctual, basic things that many of us make our decisions based on. Good for food, that's the stomach. The light to the eyes, that's the eyes. Lust of the eyes. Or in desire to make one wise, that's knowledge, that's learning, that's experience. And, and so she's being tempted with these things and, and drawn in this direction. And this is what John says to us in John chapter 2, verse 16, he says, For everything that's in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. In other words, when you are making your decisions based on 
your stomach, your eyes, the desire for experience, that is not the tree of life. It is not from the Father. It's from the world. It's the world's way. It's your natural way, but it's the way that always leads to death. You have to make your choices in a better category than just whatever you feel, whatever looks, whatever other people are doing, whatever seems is right. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end leads to destruction. It needs to be better than seems, than than sort of, than apparently. You need to have a better decision-making framework in your life, in your life. The the choice you're going to have to make is the choosing between the tree of life or the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And the tree of life sometimes is a difficult choice to make because it looks like the cross. God says, come over here, choose humility. Come over here, don't choose the pride of life. Choose humility. Choose sacrifice. Choose responsibility. Choose me. What did Jesus say? If anyone desires to come after me, deny yourself. But God, have you seen the fruit over there? It's a delight to the eyes. Deny yourself. But God, it's going to be good to eat. Take up your cross. Sacrifice. And come and follow me. Not yourself. Not your urges. Not your desires. Come to my word. All choices that you will make will be in one of these two categories. Make no mistake, you will eat the fruit of one of these two trees. And the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil leads to death. You eat the fruit of death. You eat the fruit of curse. But if you eat the fruit of the tree of life, which is the cross, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's patience and it's kindness and it's goodness. It's gentleness. It's self-control. And so what I'm saying today is Adam and Eve had a critical choice. Were they going to choose themselves, their own way, the words of the serpent, or were they going to choose the way and the will of God? You also have critical choices that you have to make. We can't just stand here in judgment at their choice. We're making choices as well. And our choices are as critical as their choices were. As their choices affected their sons and daughters for a thousand generations, so your choices will affect your sons and your daughters for a thousand generations. They have critical choices, and we have critical choices. And I want to lay out three of the most critical choices you will ever make in your entire life. The first choice that you're going to have to make is who will you serve? Who will you serve? Who will become your God? Who will you worship? Let me put it this way. Will you serve yourself or will you serve your Savior? Will you serve your career or will you serve Christ? Will you serve promotion and money and wealth? Will you serve culture or will you serve Jesus Christ? Whom will you serve? Joshua on the banks of the promised land says, before you go into the promise, you need to decide who you're going to serve today. And he says, I can't speak for you but I get to make a critical choice. As for me and those around me, I choose the tree of life. I choose the Lord. I want to speak to the young people here. You have a choice to make young people. Will you choose your heart, your emotions, your instincts, or will you choose to pursue the heart of God? The Bible says God is greater than your feelings. So I feel this way, but God is greater than your feelings, and he knows all things. The first and most critical choice you will ever need to make in your life is whom you will serve, and that choice will flow into every other choice you will make. 
It will color every other choice you make. It will become the filter by which you see the world. Do you choose good and evil, the knowledge of good and evil, or do you choose the cross of Jesus Christ? The second critical choice that you're going to have to make in your life is who will you marry? Who will you marry? This choice, more than any other choice, will have a massive impact on your every day. You got to get this choice right. You got to get this choice right. And if you already have made this choice, you have to do the work to maintain this choice. You don't say, I got it, I, I got it wrong, let me move on. You have made this choice. Listen, dating is an interview, engagement is a commitment, marriage is a covenant. If you are in the dating process, you better go through a series of interviews. It should not be more difficult to get a job at 7-Eleven than it is to become engaged in a relationship with you. It should be a series of interviews. And as much as possible, young people, I know this is almost impossible, but as much as possible, you have to use your mind and not your emotions to make this decision because your emotions are wild. And I, I understand, especially at, at, at the younger people, many times their mind is difficult to engage and, and you're still working through your, your thinking process. But as much as possible, you need to analyze this relationship. You need to get some wisdom from people that have actually lived long into this relationship. You've got to get God's word into this relationship so that you don't end up making a horrific choice very early that will derail your entire life. As much as possible, you need to make this unemotional. In other words, don't just date someone because they want to date you. Don't just marry someone because they want to marry you. That's not a good reason. Tell us your story. Well, I was there, and that's pretty much how it went. So now we're here. I was there, now we're here. That's, that's not good enough. <laughs> you have to consider all of the different elements as you go uh, towards marriage and, and engage your critical mind. And, um, because here, here's, here's, you know, one of the key critical issues. Do not marry someone's potential self. Or maybe I should say you are, you are not marrying someone's potential. You are marrying their actual self. If they have the potential to become someone, let them become that someone before you marry them. Right? No, but he's got a good heart. He's got a good heart. Well, let's see that grow into a good guy good actions. Because any issues that you have in dating will be amplified tenfold in marriage. Tenfold. So don't pretend like, oh, but it's just going to be better when we live together. It's just going to be better when we have a home. It's just going to be better. It ain't going to be better. You need to make those decisions now. The good thing is you are in a place of change. The altar is a space of change. God is a God of change. He can change you. But commit commit to that process and understand that you're not just choosing them, you're choosing all that comes with them. The baggage, the past, the in-laws, you're getting it all. And I was thinking about in-laws, you know, it's like, it's kind of funny that we have to get the law involved, you know? It's like, no, I choose her. And it's like, well, then she's your mom. It's like, no, no, I don't, I don't, she's not my mom. And the, like the judge comes in like, bang, no, she's your mom now. That's the law. She's your mother-in-law. Oh. <laughs> Let's move on before I get in trouble. 
I'll say one last thing in this. I'll say one last thing. You don't want, you don't want who you think is right. You want who God has made to be right. So don't ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit. Don't ignore it. You know. The third and most critical choice that you're going to have to make in your life is how will you live? How will you live? Have you considered the way in which you have lived? Or is every day a new surprise? Do you have a framework? Do you have a perspective? Do you have a worldview? A way in which I'm going to choose how to engage with the world? Otherwise, living is like being in the ocean and every wave that comes topples you time and time again. You need to center yourself and choose, no, this is the way I'm going to live. This is how I'm not going to live. This is how I'm going to respond, how I'm not going to respond. Speak and not speak. What am I saying? I'm saying you have to establish in your life your values, your vision, your convictions. And your values and your convictions are are exemplified in where you spend your time. If you say, I value this, this, and this, and yet your time is never spent there, you only value it in theory, not in actuality. Your values is where you invest. What are your values? What are the values for your home? What are the values in your marriage? What are the values for your children? Now, you might say, well, I'm not so sure. Well, you might have to go through a process of writing these things down. What's your values? What's your vision? Who do you hope to become? How do you want God to form you? What are some areas of imperfection that you need the Holy Spirit to come and work on? Write it down. Write it down. What are some convictions in your life? Things that you say, no matter what happens, I'm not crossing this line. This is my conviction. And everyone else on the other side of the line might say, well, are you kidding me? Come on over here. I'm not, it's not your conviction. This is my conviction from my relationship with my Holy Spirit. This is my conviction. Many times I'll have people come to me and say, Pastor, I feel like I'm losing in life. And they use that phrase, I feel like I'm losing. I just can't win. I just can't get going. But many times when I ask them, well, what would a win be then in life? They don't know. If you don't know what winning will be, you'll always feel like losing. What are the rules to this game? What's the guidelines that you get to have a say in? You get to write down, what, this is what winning would look like on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. This is what winning would feel like. This is the approach I'm going to begin to take. Here's the rules I'm going to set for myself. Here are my guidelines. I would challenge you to maybe think about it this way. Ask God, ask God, what sort of life would you want me to live? And I don't mean this condemningly, because you might say, well, what kind of life does God want me to live? That's oh, a difficult one. God's really, God's really, he's, he's dealing with stuff in me. He's working. God loves you. He's for you. He created you. He wants you to have a good life that you would enjoy. I know this is radical. He wants you to have a life that you would enjoy living. So you can get connected with the Holy Spirit and say, God, what would a win look like in my marriage? What would a win look like with my children? What would it look like in my home? When you begin to lay these things out, you might be doing better than you even think you are. You need to reframe what would, how should I live? Three critical questions that will have massive effect in your life and everyone around you. And then, no matter what you choose, you have to own the outcome. You have to own the outcome. We see Adam and Eve, they chose to eat of the fruit. And the Bible tells us that the Lord came and said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? 
Then the man said, the woman who you gave me, by the way, the woman who you, you gave me to be with me, I didn't ask for any of this here. You said she was supposed to be with me. She gave me the fruit of the tree. And then I ate, you know? I, yeah, then I ate. After a sequence of events. <laughs> I love that he blames Eve and God. Anyone that's in the surrounding area, he's blaming, he's just shooting off, blaming everybody. And then I ate. Like, he's, like he wasn't there the whole time. When the snake's speaking... Adam's standing back like, you know, he's the instigator. He's letting her do all the conversating, but he's, he's, he's pumped about what might happen. The woman you gave me. And then the Lord, like a, like a, like a good parent, he looks from Adam, then he looks over at Eve, and, and he, says, he says to the woman, well, what is, what is this that you have done? And the woman said, the serpent, he deceived me, okay? He lied to me. He said a bunch of lovely things. He deceived me. He can, and then... And then I ate. And, and after he lied, then I ate. And I always imagine the serpent. I almost feel bad for him, not really. Then God looks at the serpent, and the serpent looks around. There's nobody, there's nobody left. <sighs> okay. What do we see through this process? Blame shifting. The ancient art of blaming everyone else. Everything else. It's almost comical, from Adam to Eve, to Eve to the serpent. And the problem that they face, it's the problem we face. In fact, I would say this is one of the foremost problems in this generation. It's entitlement and blame shifting. It's everyone else's fault. It's everyone else's problem. It's everyone else's issues that got me involved in this. We see Adam blame his partner, his spouse, his friend, but we also see him blame God. So he blames people, and he blames authority. God, you set me up with this. God, you got me involved in all of this. God, where were you? Where were you? As if blaming God is something that, that we only do in modern times. He instantly starts blaming authority for not setting him up for success. Blaming everyone else around him for the temptation that, that he chose. And then Eve, she blames the environment. She blames the culture. She's saying, well, there was misinformation. I was deceived. There was fake news that went on. It was a lot of chaos. And, and I was deceived. I didn't know. What? I didn't know. I didn't know. But you did know. Because when the serpent said, did God really say, you said exactly what God said. Come on, you knew. You chose otherwise. Why did you choose? Well, the Bible tells us it was delightful to the eyes, to the bodies, to the senses. Now, you, you made an active choice. So don't blame the devil. I could preach a whole sermon titled, Don't Blame the Devil. Don't blame the devil. Don't blame the authority. Everyone around you, your parents, governance. Don't blame every other one. Don't blame your boss or your coworkers, your family, your spouse. Come on, own the outcome of your own decisions. Let me ask you this. How can you ever grow if you refuse to acknowledge your own failure? How can there ever be grace if you have never fallen short? How can there ever be mercy if you don't acknowledge your own sin? 
The Bible says you can come to the cross, but the first thing you have to do is confess where you've fallen short. How can you ever grow if you never acknowledge the areas that you need to grow? Paul says this. He says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit eternal life. Two trees. Two categories. The flesh or the Spirit. If you make your choices in the realm of the flesh, it always leads to death. But when you choose the word of God, the mercy, the grace, relationship of God, you will reap from the spirit eternal life. Do you remember what God said to Cain? He said, Cain, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? He's saying make the right choice. Make the right decision in this moment. It will have a massive impact. I want to show you how your choices lead to impact. Your choices, your impact. Your choices begin first with you. The most, the area where you can make the most choices is the area you can have the most impact. So before we get out there, let's start right here. Every single day, you make thousands of choices that will impact your life. And these choices begin to cascade outward. Your choices begin to not only affect you, eventually they begin to affect your family, the people closest to you, and all around you. And you will make hundreds of choices a week that will begin to affect your spouse, your children, your extended family. It's your choices that begin to affect this circle. After that, your choices begin to affect the greater community all around you. And maybe you only have 10 or so choices that you can make that will affect your workplace, your crew, your church, maybe, maybe the school that you're a part of, school boards. You'll have some choices and they'll make some effect. But if you're seeing, not nearly the amount of effect you'll have right here. And then there's the final area of choices that we can make that will bring some effect, which is the world. And maybe you have one choice every four years that affects the world, maybe. But can you see the amount of choices, the amount of impact you can have right here? The problem is, many times, the area we concern ourselves most with, we talk about most, we post about most, is the area where we can have the least impact. This is what frustrates us the most. You're in your kitchen ranting away about the latest crazy thing that happened on the news that you can't change. You can't impact. But what's happening? Your family is suffering because of something you can't change. Your friends are suffering because of something you can't change. But this right here is the area where you can have the most impact. Why? Because this is the area you can make the most wise, godly, consistent choices. Now make no mistake, in life, you will have external forces come against you. You will have temptation come into your life. It will come against you. Addictive tendencies, generational curses, things your parents didn't deal with, 
the, 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 the goings on of, of life. And the Bible says, by the way, what you're tempted with, it's common to man. In other words, everyone here is going to have to face pretty much the same level of temptation, even if it's tempted in different things. Yes, you will have spiritual warfare come against your life because the snake still hates you. He is trying to deceive you. He is warning against God's people. He is coming against your body, your mind, your soul. Absolutely. You will have fear come against you. Fear from the outside. Fear from the world. Fear all around you. Fear will come against you. But I've got good news for you today. I've got good news. There is a choice that you can make which can overcome anything that comes against you. The Bible says, greater is he that is in me than he who's in the world. In other words, when you begin to choose Christ, he begins to change you. Yes, you're saved once, but you're sanctified daily. In other words, every day I re-choose Christ. Every day I trust his word. Every day I come back to him. I choose Christ then what happens is Christ begins to change you. When you choose the tree of life, the cross, he begins to change you. How you think and how you speak and your decision-making processes, even your looks begin to change because there's a light in you and the light starts coming out of you. And all of the sudden, that change emanates out of you. Now your family begins to change. They say, who is living in this house? What started happening? I made a choice. I started to go to church. I got involved in the Word of God. All of a sudden, your community begins to change. Why? Because you begin to be a leader. You begin to be a principled man or woman of character. And yes, maybe even eventually the world changes. But can I tell you, the domain of the world is God's. He's going to handle this. But I'm going to pray that He comes in and gives me a bless that. But what must I do? What must you do? Continually come to the cross, the tree of life. Continually come to Jesus. Choose the cross. What did the serpent attack? God's word. Choose God's word consistently and allow that choice to affect, cascade, culminate through all of the rest of your choices. Remember that Jesus chose the cross. That was his choice so that we could choose Jesus. He made the way open for us. He is our way maker. And through that choice of Jesus, it will begin to affect every other decision. It will reverberate into everything else we do. We come to the cross. And we do believe that greater is he who's in us than he who is in the world. Whatever person, whatever thing that's against you. You have to settle this in your heart. Do you believe this? That greater is God that's in you than anything that could come against you. Do you believe this? Do you pray like this? Do you live like this? Do you lead like this? Thanks for listening to the Awakening Podcast. We hope this message has encouraged you. If you want to learn more about our church, visit us online at awakening.global. We'll see you soon.